Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. privilege of meeting a gentleman about a year and a half ago by the name of Ying Kai. Uh, Ying Kai is a minister, a missionary in uh, East Asia, and uh, through his ministry, there's been a lot of gospel work that's gone on, a lot of kingdom building. Uh, Ying Kai, and just through his ministry, has started over 150,000 house churches and over 1.7 million baptisms. And so uh, Ying Kai, uh, just a great man. I had the privilege of having several meals with Ying Kai and his wife Grace when we were in Brazil meeting with our our daughter churches there. I was able to sit down and and learn from him. He's written a book called Training for Trainers. It's the T for T kind of training that he has, encouraging people to make disciples. And within his book, Training for Trainers, he has a quote that was impactful to him before he started on this journey of seeing so many lives transformed by the gospel. There was a, 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 on a board, he, he had read this phrase and it stuck with him. And the phrase was, how many people in your city will hear the gospel today? How many people in your city will hear the gospel today? And I think about our city. How many people in Indianapolis will hear the gospel today? And maybe not even just today, how many will hear the gospel this week? And in our city, there's about 873 thousand people, all right, 873,000 in Indianapolis. And according to the statistics that I could find, there's about 40% of the people who would claim to be Christians. So about 40% of the folks out of 873,000, that leaves over a half million people who have yet to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and respond to it. And it becomes our responsibility to tell them. It's our responsibility to share that. How many people in our city will hear the good news gospel of Jesus? You know, Paul says in in Romans 10, he says uh, the only way that people end up hearing is by somebody telling them. Faith comes by hearing, and it becomes our responsibility to share the gospel with them. And that's all of our tasks. That's the responsibility of every single one of us to go out and share that good news. Now, half a million people, we talk as a church, we say that we're here to inspire people to become wholehearted followers of Jesus. That's just simply meaning disciples. We're here to make disciples. And we want to see everybody become a disciple. But how do you do that with a half million people around us? It starts with one. Your one. And sometimes the biggest move in our life is from zero to one. Sometimes that's the biggest move for us to go from nothing to something. And so that's why we're encouraging you to find your one and to begin right there. We've been talking about you praying for your one, the person that God lays on your heart who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus yet, to invite them to come to church and then to proclaim the good news that you would share about what Christ has done in your life and the good news of who Jesus is. So when I'm talking about the gospel, I'm talking about the fact that there is a God in heaven and this God is triune, he's trinity, and part of that trinity is his son, Jesus Christ, who is God, who left heaven, came to earth, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, went to the cross, bore our sins on that cross, died for our sins, buried in a grave, didn't stay dead, rose from the dead, and he's ascended into heaven. He has sent his Holy Spirit to infill us, and one day he's returning. This is 
good news. So when I talk about the gospel, that's it. Now we are his disciples. And as his disciples, we are his witnesses. In fact, this is what he said in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So he says, you're to be my witnesses. He's not talking just to pastors here. He's talking to all of his disciples, all of his followers. And in this moment when he shares this, there's about 120 of them. And he says, you will be my witnesses. You are my witnesses. He doesn't say you can hope to be or if you would like to, he says, you are my witnesses. And so the question for us today is not do you want to be a witness? The question is what kind of witness are you? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a witness for good or for bad. People are watching your life. As a believer in Jesus Christ, if you would raise your hand and say, yes, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, you are his witness for good or for bad. And what's a witness? Well, a witness, when you think about it, is just somebody who is talking about what they have seen or what they've heard or what they've experienced. If, if you're in a courtroom, the witness is different than the judge. We're not the judge, right? We're, we're not here to judge our one or to judge anyone outside the church. That's not our job. We're not the judge. And you're not the lawyer in the courtroom. You're not here to argue somebody into the kingdom of God. You are simply a witness. You are to be my witness, to declare, to talk about, to have testimony to what Jesus Christ has done in your life. That's our job. That's our task, that you and I would be witnesses. Now today, I want us to wrap up this series and talk about what does it look like for you and for me to be a witness of Jesus. And in order to look at that, I want us to go to a particular passage in the Bible. It's in the Gospels, in the book of John. John chapter 9. I love John 9. Uh, I preached on this about a year and a half ago. Uh, we're going to look at it through a little bit different lens uh, today. It's about Jesus and an interaction, the whole chapter, this interaction with a man who was born blind. And so we're going to take a look at his account, his story, and then we're going to take a look at how you and I might be able to communicate the story that God is telling in our lives. So here we go. John chapter 9. We'll start at verse 1. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So the disciples kind of had this worldview where God is in heaven, and if you do something wrong, God's just kind of waiting to squash you, to stomp that out, to, to cause something bad to happen. But Jesus takes it a completely different direction. Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned, or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. In other words, it's never been about this man, it's always been about God. Jesus then says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. In other words, there is a window of time that we have to work the good work of God so that others can see who he is. And then Jesus says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So I've got this limited amount of time where I'm gonna be here walking with you and I am here to shine the light, to give you the truth. And interestingly, Jesus will tell his disciples eventually, yet you've heard me say that I'm the light of the world, you're the light of the world. I'm about to ascend to my Father, and I am leaving it to you. You are now the light of the world to bear witness and to reflect the glory of your maker. You're the light of the world. So Jesus is still standing around this blind man, and this is what we read. 
Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. That's gross. <laughs> then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. That's grosser. This is, uh. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent, which I'd be like, yes, I will, thank you. And so he went and he washed and he came back seen. Most underrated statement in the Bible, like, uh, he came back seen. Miracle, this actually happened. This isn't like a pretend story that you tell at night to your kids, like a, a fairy tale. This actually happened. Mud in the eye, into the water, came back, I can see. I was blind. How long was he blind? He got blindness at birth. Now, he's been blind a long time, but now he can see. Miracle, praise God. Now, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it's he. Others said, no, but it's like him. He kept saying, I'm the man. I'm the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? And this is gonna be the first time that he shares his story. He answered, the man called Jesus, made mud, it was gross, and anointed my eyes. And he said to me, go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and I received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. I was blind. <laughs> Little insensitive, right? Come on. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Undertone of that is, shame on you Jesus for working on the Sabbath. The Pharisees don't like that, you can't make mud. I don't care how you're gonna make the mud, can't make mud on the Sabbath, can't work on that kind of day. They don't like Jesus anyway, he goes on. So the Pharisees again asked him, the blind, formerly blind man, asked him how he had received his sight. So he's gonna share his story a second time. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see, very exciting. And yet, that's not enough for those Pharisees because they don't like Jesus. They're not really interested in this undeniable miracle in front of them. They're really kind of caught up in the unexplainable. How could this happen? We don't like that guy. We can't really see God working through that guy. So let's try to find a way around this. Or is this really the guy? Let's get his parents. Let's bring them in here. We'd like to find a way to get rid of this man out of the synagogue, out of the church, maybe even get rid of his parents. We'd just like to kind of sweep this under the rug. And so there's this whole kind of deal that goes on. You drop down to verse 24. Go down there. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And the blind man, formerly blind man, answered, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. We're gonna take a look here at what this passage kind of reveals to us, and then we're gonna take this moment where we start talking about what would our story look like. So as I think about what we just read here, kind of encapsulated, what I see is this man's story was personal. Over and over and over again, he's being asked, how were your eyes opened? And because of his personal experience in his life, he had a platform then to talk about Jesus. Now within his life, it had this kind of tragedy in it. He, he had been blind since he was born. And I can imagine that there were a number of days that this man was sitting and begging and thinking to himself, why am I blind? 
Why can't I see like my friends? Why can't I have a job? Why has this happened to me? And I can imagine in your own life, there have been moments where you've asked, why have these bad things happened to me? Why, why these tragedies? Why this pain? Why this difficulty in my life? Why these painful moments? And what we learn here in verse three was that this was done so that the works of God might be displayed through this man. Again, it was never about the man. It was about this moment in time that God would leverage the pain in this man's life to bring honor and glory to himself. It it, it was this personal pain that the man had experienced that led him to this place of knowing who Jesus is and what Jesus can do in a moment and then to share that story with others. Nobody has a story like your story. You have a story. God in his sovereignty has been weaving together a tapestry in your life. And that tapestry that he has been weaving together, all the good things that has happened in your life, all the bad things that have happened in your life, he has been weaving that story in such a way, not for you, not for your glory, not so that you might just be happy in this life. He has woven everything in your story for his glory. He has caused all of that to be leveraged in such a way. He has the ability to see everything all at once. He, he can see far and he can see deep. He knows everything. And everything that he is doing in this world is being leveraged in such a way because he is divine, sovereign, holy, so that he might receive honor and glory through his creation. And that's us. And you have a story. Bad things, good things, all mixed in there. And when you share your story with others and point people to Jesus, they will be able to see through a different perspective. And there are people that God loves around you that you will be able to share your story that he's been working out and it will draw them closer to him. Your story, it's personal and it is to point people to Jesus. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about your creator, the one who made you and it's about his kingdom. So this man's story, it it was personal His story was also simple. It really wasn't all that complicated. He said, Jesus made mud. He anointed my eyes, told me to wash. I washed, and I could see. Jesus said, I did. My life was changed. Jesus said, I did. My life was changed. That's the story of every single Christian, believer, follower, disciple of Jesus Christ in this room. We understood at a moment in time the gospel. We heard the good news. Jesus said. And what we understood when we heard the gospel was we were convinced and convicted of our sin and that we needed to move in the direction of the one who saved us. And when we moved in his direction, repented of our sin, we were then redeemed, made right in God's eyes, and we have a relationship with him, and our lives were changed. Jesus said, we did. My life has changed. Jesus said, I did, my life was changed. This man, it wasn't a big sermon, it was just very simple. You you don't have to go to seminary in order to make a difference for God. All you need is to have had an encounter with the living God through his son, Jesus Christ, and your changed life is more than enough. Just that simple gospel is enough to transform lives around you. You have a story to share. Your story is personal. And that story can be very, very simple. And then finally, I I notice in this passage 
His story was powerful. His story was powerful. I mean, the, the pain that he had gone through and then this, this miraculous event, it gave power to what was happening. And those Pharisees, they, they could debate the man's theology. They could question his methodology. But what, one thing's undeniable, he can see. He was blind, but now he can see. And, and just over and over, they're asking him questions. They, they said, where is he? I, I don't know. He's a, is he a sinner? I don't know. How did he do this? I don't know. What do you know? I was blind, but now I can see. That's what I know. And a whole bunch of Christians were kind of afraid in our culture to walk out there and start talking about what Christ has done in our lives because in the back of our mind, we're kind of afraid that somebody might ask us a question that we don't know the answer to. You know, somebody might say, well, how come? I don't know. Where does it say? I don't know. Why? I don't know. What do you know? I was blind, but now I see. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was in the dark, now I'm in the light. What do you know? I know Jesus, and I know what he has done for me. The hurting world around us is not looking for us to answer every single one of their questions. They are looking for something that's real. They might say that they want all of their questions answered. That's smokescreen. None of us got all of our questions answered. I still have questions. But at a point in time, it became personal. It became this moment where I understood I needed something real in my life, something transformational, not just head knowledge, not some kind of pie-in-the-sky kind of wish. I needed to be transformed from the inside out and a hurting world that is longing for hope. They are looking into the lives of true believers and saying, is this real? Could it be possible that my life could be changed, my heart might be renewed, and you and I as witnesses of Jesus Christ can say, yes, unexplainable, don't know why he would do it, but undeniable. My life has been changed. Powerful. It is Jesus Christ in you that is undeniable. The Pharisees and the others, they may not have liked that man's answers, but one thing they could not deny, he was blind. Now he can see. That's powerful. You have a story. Every believer in this room, you have a story. For those of you that aren't believers in Jesus Christ yet, he's weaving a story. And here's what I want us to do this week. I'm, I'm gonna give you a homework assignment, just like school, so you can be like, ah, I don't know that I like that. It's fun. Here's, here's the assignment. I want you to be able to tell your story. I, I want you to be able to look at somebody else and be able to talk about what God has done in your life. So go ahead and grab uh, your bulletin or a piece of paper or your phone, something to write on. It's kind of already listed on your bulletin, so if you picked up one of those, you can snap a picture of the screen here in a moment, and I'm gonna give you the outline of how you can share your story. It goes like this. Before I met Jesus, and then you can tell what that looks like. I met Jesus when, you say what that looks like, and since I met Jesus. 
Right? This, this is your story. Before I met Jesus, I met Jesus when, since I met Jesus. Let's, let's say that together so we can kind of get in our heads as well. Before I met Jesus, I met Jesus when, since I met Jesus. All right, so this is kind of like the, you know, the, the, the outline of how you're going to share your story. And when you write this, you don't have to write a novel, right? It's just personal. It's very simple. The power comes from God. And here's what I'd like you to do. I, I want you to do this. I want you to, not right now, but I want you today, go ahead and write out your story. Again, real quick. And I would like to invite, you know, uh, I want you to share it with somebody. So life group, life group leaders, in your group this week, I want you to take 10 minutes. I want you to pair people up, and I want them to go back and forth sharing their story, just for that little bit. Now, I realize we probably have a number of people say, I'm not going to life group this week. Uh, I don't want to do that. But look, if you can't share your story with somebody who's already a believer, you're not going to share your story with somebody who's not. So share your story. And again, you're not writing a novel. This is something that is personal to you. It's short, and it's an opportunity to tell the story of what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Do you know why? You're a witness. You are an eyewitness to what has happened in your life through Jesus Christ. And you know your story better than anybody. So let me, let me give you some tips as you kind of write this. The first thing I would say, uh, make it personal. So as you're writing this out, make it personal, right? Uh, personal pronouns. I, me, my, mine. It, it's your story. The second, second thing I would say is make it short. Make it short, three to five minutes. And I would lean towards the three-minute side of things. And if you can make it shorter, fantastic. Mainly because everybody's attention span is getting lower and lower and lower. Uh, I've probably had to regain your attention ten times uh, in the amount of time that we've had here. So the shorter you can condense it, the better. Elevator pitch. This is what has happened in my life. This is what I'm a witness of. The, the next thing I would say is make Jesus Christ central. Keep Christ central. Right? Uh, don't, don't spend all of your time on my old sinful life. You, you want to make sure that people understand just enough so that they know that you were broken before you met Jesus. And, and then you're making Jesus kind of the hero of what's going on here. Now, now let me just say this uh, on, on our stories. I realize some of you in the room, you're, you'd say, I don't really have a story. My, my story's not all that great. It's not, not dynamic because maybe you received Christ when, when you were a kid and you've been a good person, right? Think, you know, no dynamic, really powerful kind of story. We need your story. For those of you that are in the room and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you would say, man, I've just kind of led kind of a vanilla, kind of plain life, we need your story because if the truth of the matter is if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there is a moment when you met Jesus where you realize that it's not your goodness. You needed his goodness. And it's through his goodness that you were saved, not your own goodness. And you've realized it is not you kind of saving yourself. And your story is so important because there are a lot of people in this world who think that they just need to be good to go to heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. And we do not save ourselves. And so you have a story. No matter where you're at on that spectrum, and so uh, Jesus is the hero of, of, of your story. And then the final thing, use the word of God. Use the Bible. This is the place where there is power. The power is found in the word of God. All right? So that, that's how we're going to do it. I, I met Jesus. This is, this is kind of my story. This is how this has happened in my own life. So I want you to take some time. Write that all down and, and keep it short. But uh, before I met Jesus, I met Jesus when and since I met Jesus. Before I met Jesus, 
my life was a wreck. I was selfish and I was self-centered. I didn't care about others at all. I was prideful. And I carried that right on into my marriage. Oh, I'd known about Jesus. Grew up in the church. Knew facts about him, but never had a relationship with him. I was more interested in pleasing myself. And when I carried that into my marriage, it was destroying my marriage. And it was destroying my life. And if I had to put a word picture with my life at that time, I would say that it was dark. My life was filled with sin. It was filled with just self-absorption. And I was in a pit. And it was as I was destroying my marriage and destroying myself through sin that I had a physical ailment happen and I had to have surgery. And as a result of that surgery, I ended up with pain. And I had to recover at home and I was recovering at home by myself while my wife would go to work. And there in the, the silence, I am faced with the fact that I'm destroying myself. Everything around me seems dark and I realize that I'm about to lose my marriage. I'm about to have everything implode and I realize if I'm staying on this path, the end of that path is not with God. It's away from God in hell. And so there in our apartment in the silence, something began to stir in me, an uneasiness with being in the dark, dying spiritually away from God. And I started opening up the Bible. And this time I started reading it for myself, not just what my dad or somebody else was preaching, but reading it for myself. And I started talking to God. And I started to let him in and remind him of just how far I had gone and I couldn't bear it anymore. Reading God's word, it started to jump off the page at me. I was seeing it in new ways. I was seeing Jesus in a way that was no longer academic but personal. I would read things like Romans 3.23 that says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and I realized I had fallen far from God. And then I would flip over a little bit more and I'd re read Romans 6.23, for the wages of that sin is death, and I knew that very well, I was living it. But then the next part says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so I said, Jesus, would you wash away my sin? Would you forgive me? God, would you create me into a new person? And he did. And something began to happen. And on the inside, not the outside, on the inside, I was new. Tammy was married to a new Chris because I was a new creation. Not the self-help that I was studying through my classes. An encounter with the living God, and I was still reading and just soaking in all of the words off of the page and beginning to just touch my heart and my soul. I started to pray, and in my prayers, I mean, it was like an hour, two hours would go by. It didn't seem like anything. I started to sing my prayers. Something very, very strange was happening to my old dead heart. It was being made new, and life was coming in, and gradually all of that darkness in the pit, I was being lifted out, and I had light, and I had life, and since I met Jesus, Jesus Christ, I've done my very best to trust him with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding in all my ways, acknowledge him, and I have found that he has made my path straight because now it's not about me, not about me anymore. What's all about me is that others would know him, that they would know Jesus, that they could find the same forgiveness and love and freedom that I found. Jesus is alive and he lives in me. 
Do you have a story? Do you have a relationship with my best friend, Jesus? He loves you. And the Bible says that everybody sinned. But he loves us so much that he wouldn't leave us in our sin and in that darkness. He sent his son, Jesus, who is God, lived a perfect life. And he took his perfect life and he hung on a cross having done nothing wrong but just seeing us in our sin and separation from God. And he took on all of my sin and your sin and he died for it. And he was buried. But he did not stay dead. He rose from the grave offering us life proving that he is who he says he is. This is what happened in history. We have people who saw it, witnessed it, spoke of it, died for not something they say they believe, but for something they saw, a risen Jesus, God of this universe moving in our direction, and you can have him, and you can know him, and you can know freedom, and joy, and mercy, and grace, and your life is in him. That can be your story. If that's not part of your story up to this point, it could be your story in this moment. Jesus, wash me, cleanse me. I repent of my sin. I turn to you. I make you my Lord. You are my savior. I will follow you. All of the junk of your life, all of the good things, being woven together so that in a moment like this, your story reflects his grander story of his kingdom being revealed in you and now through you. And if you're here and you have a story, like you know Jesus, when was the last time you bore witness to what he's done in your life? Who's your one? God chose you to be with him, to forsake everything else and making him Lord of your entire life so that you can reproduce spiritually. Who's your one? Pray for them, invite them, and proclaim his goodness through your story that he's done in you. Let's pray. Father, I, I don't know, only you know hearts in this moment but I thank you that you know every heart and you know every life. You know each soul in this room who's been wandering away from you. And Lord, it's not through convincing speech, but through the power of your spirit to whisper into a heart, into a mind, into the ears of someone who's been far away, come home. I thank you today that you have called us to you. Thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for your spirit that fills us. Thank you that our home is with you forever. On this side of heaven, Lord, we don't wanna keep that good news to ourselves. We've gotta share it. May it burn inside of us. May it be a desire that we have as we consider how many people in our city, how many of my friends, how many of my coworkers, how many of my neighbors will hear the good news. Help us, Father, to be your witness. In your name we pray, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. 
you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvilleroad.cc. God bless you.